got acquainted with this amazing grace years ago, and my life has never been the same. Uh, and part of coming to faith in Jesus Christ was the decision of repentance that I made. Repentance is just simply a choice to turn from your sin and your own way to follow Jesus. Uh, that's how simple it is. It's a choice of faith that you make to follow Christ. And um, when I made that decision, truly the light came on in my heart and uh, God saved my soul. Uh, there was a city in the Old Testament called Nineveh. Uh, it was an Assyri Assyrian city uh, that was very wicked. They were known for their cruelty uh, to other countries in battle. And um, uh, you can actually research that online. But uh, despite the cruelty and the wickedness of this city, God sent his prophet Jonah to the city of Nineveh to speak to them and to encourage them and to warn them of coming judgment and that they needed to repent before it was too late. The people of Nineveh humbled themselves in the, from the king and all the city, uh, humbled themselves, and God spared the city of Nineveh, wicked though it was. That's the amazing grace of God. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Isn't that a wonderful truth? But we need to repent. Why? Well, because, number one, the Bible says, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. There's no one that's going to get into heaven without repentance. It's part of the decision of faith that we make to follow Jesus. But we also need repentance because it helps us to walk in God's joy, in the abundant life. We need repentance so that we can have the power of God upon our lives so that we can make a difference for the kingdom of God. Uh, the scripture that we're going to look at today uh, actually deals with the tail end of the story of Jericho, but also the story of Achan. And uh, as we look at the tail end of the story of Jericho, Joshua and the people, the fighting men of Israel, have shouted... The trumpets have been blown. The walls have fallen down. The people have gone in and taken the city. And now that the city has been taken, uh, the Scripture tells them what they are to do. Uh, they're to kill basically everything that breathes in the city. Uh, and then uh, it shifts to Rahab. And it, it shifts to, to the fact that Rahab was a member of this city, but she repented. And because she repented, she was spared. Not only her, she was spared, but her family also was blessed. They were spared because they went into the place they'd agreed upon. They hung the scarlet cord. God spared that part of the wall so that she and her family could be saved. And that scarlet cord looked forward to Jesus Christ and what he would do. His price, paid at Calvary, made it possible for them to be delivered from the judgment that had come. Uh, many people have had trouble with these passages in Scripture that talk about something. that The Hebrew word is called harem, uh, and, and it basically means you were devoted to destruction. Uh, and there were different levels of it, but in this case, is the, the, the most severe level 
of Haram was that everything that breathed would be killed. And people say, well, that is just terrible that, that uh, God would uh, allow that to happen and even sanction that. Uh, but people that say that don't understand. They, I've heard people call this genocide. It's not genocide. If it was genocide, Rahab would be dead. Okay? Not genocide. This is judgment. There's a big difference. God saved Canaanites who put their trust in him, repented and put their trust in him. He also, as we're going to see, he devoted Achan to destruction. Achan was an Israelite. Had nothing to do with race. Had nothing to do with what country they were from. It had to do with the fact that they had crossed God's deadline and had fallen under his judgment. This is something we need to recover as Americans because we have, we have not uh, emphasized God's judgment enough. God is a God of love and I praise him for his grace and where would I be without it? But he's also a God of justice. And we need to understand that. That's why Jesus had to come. The cross was about justice. The cross was about the judgment of God that I deserved being placed upon Jesus in my place. When Jesus said, it is finished, paid in full, the judgment of God. That's why the ground shook. That's why the rocks came apart. That's why all of these, the sky turned black. All of these things were happening. Because the wrath of a holy God was being poured out on Jesus Christ at the cross. Why does God allow this and, and even sanction this in Canaan? Well, you have to look back in Scripture. The Bible says that God told Abraham, after 400 years, you will come into this land, but the sins of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Amorites, Canaanites, those were, were general names. They were specific peoples, but they were also general names to describe the people of Canaan. The sins of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. And so God says, look, I'm showing mercy for 400 years. Now, at least 400 years. Now, they, they've sinned before that. But at least 400 years, God says, I'm showing mercy to them. I'm giving them an opportunity to repent. They had Abraham to testify to the work of God. They had Isaac. They had Jacob. They had the 12 patriarchs who lived there in Canaan and talked about the things of God. But they didn't repent. 400 years pass, God begins to bring the Israelites out of Egypt, and they hear in Canaan, they hear. Rahab told us that earlier. They've heard about what God did in Egypt and how he delivered the Israelites. Yet another opportunity to repent, and yet they're not repenting. They just heard that God dried up the Jordan and, and brought them across. They still haven't repented. But Rahab repented. You see, God is slow to anger, but if we reject his provision, and we reject his grace, judgment will come. So we need to repent while we have the opportunity. Now, Leviticus tells us the specifics of why the people of Canaan were under judgment. I noticed this morning in Revelation uh, we were studying Revelation, 
uh, chapter 14, and it says, because of the great sexual immorality of that day that is yet to come, it will bring the wrath of God upon the people of the earth. Leviticus 18 says that that's exactly the reason, one of, one of the reasons that God brought judgment upon the people of Canaan. They were guilty of every kind of gross immorality you could imagine. Adultery, homosexuality, bestiality, incest, all of those things are listed in, in Leviticus 18. And God says, not only you will not do these things, these are sins and, and they're, they're distressing, they're a grief to me. Uh, you, you'll not do these things, but you need to understand this is the reason the Canaanites are not going to be in the land anymore. This is the reason that they're falling under judgment. He also mentions in Leviticus 18 the killing of children. They had something they called Molech worship. And, and they would burn their little babies on these idol statues. They'd superheat them and burn them to death on these statues. It's very, very uh, vile, uh, wicked procedure. Uh, God says this is part of the reason they're going to be taken out of the land. They're idolatry. They put everything else in the world in front of, of the true God. They were worshiping false gods. They had forgotten about the God who created them. That's one of the reasons they were going to be uh, cast out of the land of Canaan and, and put to death under, jo under Joshua's and ultimately God's judgment. And so um, we need to repent while we have the opportunity. And the title of my message is The Importance of Repentance. The Importance of Repentance. If you look in uh, verse 17 of Joshua chapter 6. It says that um, the city and everything in it are set apart to the Lord for destruction. This is the idea of uh, the harem that I was talking about. Um, what does this tell us? Well, what can we see that tells us the importance of repentance? Well, first of all, we see a determined rebellion. A determined rebellion. 400 years had passed, the people are still sinning against God. 400 years have passed, and the people still are not listening to what God has said. They finally reach a point of no return. Did you know the same thing happened to Israel? It did. Uh, Chronicles tells us uh, Israel went into captivity, but then it tells us about Judah and, and the Bible says that the wrath of God and the judgment of God were so great on Judah because of their wickedness that there was no remedy. There was no remedy. In other words, they had passed God's deadline. Now that's true for nations. And, and, and I, pray, I pray for our country. I hope you pray for our country. There are some, some people in, in Washington and, and people in our country in general who want to do some of the most wicked, vile things and teach them to our children. It's unconscionable. If America continues on that course and, and fulfills those purposes, we will be under a severe judgment of God. I believe that with all my heart. I love our country. 
But our country uh, is headed on a path of judgment if we continue on the same path. But this can also happen with individuals. An individual can be uh, determined in their rebellion against God. I will not believe. I will not repent. And somebody may not say that out loud, but that may be the attitude of their heart. And they persist, persist, persist in their lost condition. And God's trying to bring them to faith. And they continue to refuse the mercies of God. And there comes a day, God says in his word, my spirit will not always strive with man. And God just backs off. And I'll tell you why that's so serious. If God backs off, there's no way you can be saved. Because the Bible says we can't come to him without his help. So, uh, very, very serious indeed. A determined rebellion. Praise God for those stories in Scripture that tell us of a change, of a repentance. and uh, Praise God for that. But oftentimes, people go down a path of wickedness and refuse to repent. I think of Hophni and Phinehas. You remember them? They were to the sons of Eli in the book of Samuel. And uh, these, these guys, they were priests. Here they are, supposed to be serving God, and they're fleecing the people of God, and they're sleeping with women in the tabernacle courts committing adultery in the very place of God's worship. And God tells uh, Eli through, uh, through a prophecy, he says, look, you have put up with your sons and you haven't disciplined them uh, and, and your sons have been wicked in my eyes and you're going to die. All of you are going to die on the same day. And that's exactly what happened. Hophni and Phinehas uh, fell in battle. Eli, when he heard the news, was so disturbed, he fell off the stool. He was a very heavy man. He fell off the stool and he broke his neck. And all three of them died in one day because they passed the deadline of God. They were determined in their rebellion. Now, praise God that when we come to Christ with our sin, he always receives us. (laughs) Isn't that a wonderful truth? Uh, what would we do if that were not the case? God doesn't give eternal life because we deserve it. He gives it as a gift of His grace. And when we finally come to the place where we... And and this is a wonderful truth. No place in the New Testament that I can find where a genuine broken sinner comes to Jesus is he ever turned away. David said this in Psalm 51, A broken sinner. And contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. Hallelujah. You come to God with your sin and you say, Lord, I'm a mess. I've sinned. I need to repent. Uh, I'm not even sure I know how to repent. But God, I need your help and I need your strength. And Lord, come alongside me and help me repent. Jesus delights to answer that every single time. Lord, show me your mercy. Jesus delights to answer that. And so um, make sure that you're not going down a path of determined rebellion. Turn to Christ. Repent of your sin. 
so that you can find God's mercy. Uh, so the importance of repentance, we see that in the fact that there's a determined rebellion. Secondly, there's a contaminated culture. There's a contaminated culture. Verse 21. They completely destroyed everything in the city with the sword. Every man and woman, both young and old, uh, every ox, sheep, and donkey. Why is that? Well, part of that, the Bible teaches a couple of things. One is the fact that sometimes the innocent suffer with the righteous. Uh, one scripture says uh, God visits the sins of the fathers on their on their children and their children's children to the third and fourth generation. Uh, and, and what that was talking about was not that the children were being punished for the parents' sin, but because the children were, were living in the time of their parents' discipline, they felt the effect of it. Does that make sense? So when the Israelites went into captivity, uh, it was the adults who were doing the wickedness. But all those kids went into captivity too. Grandkids were born in captivity and great-grandkids were born in captivity. They felt the impact that came from the discipline, or, or in this case, judgment, uh, for sin. Now, that's true, but it's also true that sin pollutes. This is something we probably don't think about a whole lot, but the Bible teaches that sin tends to pollute. They had clean, unclean laws. You probably, if you've ever read through the clean white pages of the Old Testament, you've read about some of those things. If, uh, if I become unclean by touching something that's unclean, and I touch this podium, this podium's unclean. If you touch this podium, then you're unclean. And it, it was just a way of illustrating the fact of the pollution of sin and how sin pollutes our lives and pollutes those around us and has an impact and an influence in our lives. Uh, Leviticus 18 tells us that uh, this wickedness, this idolatry, touched every facet, every human life, every, even the animals. They, they, they were guilty of bestiality. I mean, all these, this wicked stuff and this, this incest and all these things had so polluted the Canaanite people. God said, I don't want their sin to pollute my people. So part of it was a protection for Israel. But another part of it was that the contamination of sin was there. The Bible says that uh, even our righteous acts are as filthy rags before God. That is the best that I could do or that you could do. And living a life for God is, is filthy rags because it's colored by our sin. Now praise God, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. When we put our trust in Him and we repent. But uh, we need to understand that our sin is very, very serious to God. And it contaminates us. Uh, and, and because it can so contaminated the people, it had brought the guilt uh, for sin. It had brought the wrath of God and the justice of God. God had them destroy everything that breathed. And this is a picture of the wrath of God. You say, well, I don't like that. Well, I don't much like it either. But it's the truth. And a lot of times people say, well, you know, I can't believe a loving God would send people to hell. I believe that 
scriptures like this are a mercy to us to show us the physical equivalent of what's going to happen spiritually in eternity. We're reading a scripture this morning where it says that their torment, the smoke of their torment, rises forever. That's a judgment you and I, I don't think we can truly wrap our minds around that. But it's what the Word of God teaches. God didn't just send His Son just to be a good example. Some people teach that. God sent His Son to pay a price we could never pay. He took an eternity of judgment in a moment of time because he was the God-man. He could bear the full wrath of the Godhead upon himself in judgment. He was estranged from the Father in relationship. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst, he said. Not just a physical thirst, but he had a spiritual thirst because God himself had turned his back on his own son and the fellowship was broken at the cross when our sin was placed upon him. One scripture in the New Testament says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isaiah in appealing to the Israelites, said, this is what God says, come let us reason together. Though your sin be as scarlet, it shall be as white as snow. Isn't that wonderful? God can take his divine brillo pad and remove every stain through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's our hope. Listen, I... I don't bring anything in my hands. If, it, we ask this question sometimes when we're out uh, talking to people about Jesus. If, if God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And people give a lot of reasons, and a lot of times people will say, well, you know, I'm good, or I, do, I go to church, or I, I do good things in the community, whatever. None of those things will get you to heaven. Because our righteousness is a filthy rag. There's only one thing that can get you to heaven, and that's what Jesus did at the cross. And what the Bible says is that not only was our sin placed upon him, but when we repent and put our trust in Jesus, his righteousness is placed on us. So I'm clean. (laughs) No contamination. No stain of guilt or sin. I've been washed as white as snow the amazing grace of our great God. So, the importance of repentance, what do we see that helps us see that importance? We see a determined rebellion. Secondly, a contaminated culture. Thirdly, a repentant faith. I love this. Look at verse 25 of of Joshua 6. It says, However, Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute, her father's family, and all who belonged to her, because she hid the messengers Joshua had sent to spy on Jericho, and she still lives in Israel today. Okay, So the spies come to spy out Jericho. Rahab receives them into, into her home, gives them a place to rest. 
when the government officials come to say, hey, we heard these guys came to your house, she said, they've already left. Uh, they went out the gate. If you hurry, you'll catch them. They were still up on her roof. <laughs> and uh, she hid the spy. Well, as she did that, what was she doing? At great personal risk to herself, because I'm sure if her leadership knew about this, she could have been put to death for treason. At great personal risk to herself, she identifies with the people of God. She not only hides the spies, but we can see some change in her life because she is called a person of faith in Hebrews 11. She had repented of her sin. She was a prostitute. But I ought to tell you about the grace of Jesus. God brought her out of that lifestyle when she repented of her sin, and he gave her a hope and a future. He cleansed her. He, it's so awesome. And you know, she became the ancestor of Jesus Christ. Isn't that an amazing thing? That's the grace of God. But she had to repent. You see, when you repent, it sets God free to work in your life. In her life, her family's lives, because they were all spared, were forever changed. And they became a part of the people of God. They were outside the camp, then they, got, they went through the cleansing process and became a part of the camp of Israel and part of the people of God. I love the story of the prodigal son. He's running from his father. He says, Father, give me my inheritance. I, I want to go and, and start to live my life. And gets his inheritance from his father. And he goes and he spends it on prostitutes and riotous living and all these things. And finally, he's, he's blown every bit of it. Has nothing to show for it. And he's hungry, so he, he starts working for a guy that owns pigs, which for a Jewish person would have been a problem. But he's, he's working for this part, and he's feeding the pigs, and he's so hungry, he wants the pig food. That's a pretty desperate situation. And he began to think, he said, you know, my father's servants are doing better than I am. I'll go back to my father. I'll repent. And I'll ask if he'll make me, I don't deserve to be his son, but I'll ask if he'll make me like one of his hired servants. And the Bible tells us the as the sun comes up over the hill, the father's been waiting. And in joy, he begins to sprint towards his son, throws his arms around him, and says, you know, the son's trying to speech, you know, make me your servant. The father's not listening. He say, he say, kill the fatted calf. Get my best robe. Come put it on him. Put my ring on his hand. My son has come home. This is the mercy of God towards those who repent. And uh, this, this repentant faith totally changed Rahab's life. 
totally changed it. So the importance of repentance, we see a determined rebellion, a contaminated culture of repentant faith. Finally, if you turn over to chapter 7 and verse 12, we see a powerless people. Verse 12 says, this is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They will turn their backs and run from their enemies because they have been set apart for destruction. And I will no longer be with you unless you remove from among you what is set apart. Now, what's this verse talking about? After Jericho is over, the Israelites are feeling pretty confident. They said, boy. You know, we just took care of Jericho. Now there's this little little town over here, I or AI. I'm going to call it AI. Uh, there's AI over here. <laughs> we don't even need to send all our troops to fight them. Just send two or 3,000 of them. They can handle AI. They don't ask God about it. They just go out and do it. And they're defeated. And Joshua comes, you know, he's, Lord, what's going on here? And he, he falls on his face. Lord, what are we going to do if you're not going with us? And God said, stand up. There's sin in the camp. See, what God had told them in chapter 6 was, if you take, because not only were they to, do, to put everything that breathed to death, they were to put the possessions, the treasure, of the people of Jericho into the treasury of God. And he said, if you take any of this treasure for yourself and you try to take it as spoil, you will be devoted to destruction. So the very curse that was upon the Canaanites will be upon you. Pretty serious stuff. So what does Achan do? Achan, he was an Israelite. Uh, he's, he's looking through some stuff as they've been fighting this battle. And he sees, boy, that's a really nice robe from Babylon. I think I recognize the designer. I've taken that for myself. And then he sees some, some silver and, and this gold bar, and he, he takes these things and he, he hides them away because he knows he's not supposed to take them. And he goes and he hides them in his tent and thinks nobody knows. Well, the scripture tells us the, the Israelites failed in battle. Joshua is told there's sin in the camp. And they go through this process and um, they narrow it down to Achan. And Achan admits his sin. They go and investigate, look in his tent. And sure enough, there's, there's all these things there that Achan has taken. And God sa tells them in verse 12, you're powerless because of your sin. You're powerless because of your sin. I think that could be said of the American church. You're powerless because of your sin. In 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, that's repentance. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. If revival is going to come to America, 
revival will start in the churches of America. But as individuals who live for God, if you want God's power in your life, if you want God to use you and help you to bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, you need to deal with your sin. You need to confess it. If you're a child of God, you confess your sin. The Bible says he's faithful, just forgive us our sins, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He res- it's sin is already forgiven at the cross, but the fellowship is restored. Okay, Just like if you have a fight with your spouse, it doesn't mean you're not married. It just means the fellowship's broken, right? You've got to restore the fellowship. So you confess that sin to God, restore the fellowship, ask God to help you genuinely repent, and then you have God's power as you pray, as you try to raise your family, as you try to have a godly marriage, as you try to make a difference in your ministry for God. See, all of these areas are affected by whether or not the Spirit of God is, is upon your life. We must take sin seriously in our lives. Now, we'll never get done with the struggle till Jesus comes. We'll never be perfect, but we can have seasons of victory through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we want God's power, we need to be quick to confess our sin, quick to repent, and, and, and then quick to believe the promise of God that he'll forgive us. Okay? Uh, don't don't uh, think that the grace of God is less because of the severity of his judgment. Because God's grace, the Bible says where sin abounds, there did grace much more abound. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Praise God for that. Uh, but deal with it quickly so that you can have the power of God on your life. And, and then ask God to help you grow in righteousness. Sometimes people think, well, righteous people are people that sit around in black clothes with a scowl on their face and never have any fun. That is not what righteous people are about. Okay? Righteous people are those who have learned to walk with God. And when you walk with God, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. True joy is found in obedience to God. It is. Uh, It's, uh, you know, we don't earn God's favor. God's favor is a gift of His grace, His eternal life, and so forth. But uh, as we obey, it kind of gets us under the spout where the glory comes out, so to speak. It, It puts us in the place of God's greatest blessing for our lives. And so we have the power of God. And you know what the Israelites had to do? They had to put Achan to death. He became a hormah. Be, uh, not, uh, a harem. <laughs> a hormah is very similar. But anyway, uh, he was put to death. Uh, and the blessing of God came back upon his people. Why? Because they dealt with the sin. They dealt with the sin. Sin is a big deal to God. So, uh, the importance of repentance. Why is it important? Well, we see a determined rebellion, a contaminated culture, a repentant faith, and a powerless people. All these things point us to the necessity of repentance. I want you to see God's heart for us to repent. 
Ezekiel was a prophet uh, in the time of the captivity. And he was actually did his prophesying from Babylon. But he was addressing the sins of the people of Israel. And God says, I take no, no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Why will you die, O house of Israel? Repent. Repent. God is calling out to them. God is eager. He is ready. He is waiting for them to repent. As wicked as they were, as much as they'd hurt his heart, as far as they'd gone, God was ready for them to repent. And he would show his mercy and extend his grace. That's the God we serve. God is ready for you to repent. If you're a child of God here, the Bible says that each day we've got to choose to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. That is a form of repentance. Turning from my own way to follow God's way. And I kind of I don't know about you, but I need that adjustment each day. I've got to kind of adjust my heart and get my heart back in the right spot uh, each day. I need that every single day. You need to, to be regularly repenting of sin. Now, don't try to manufacture sin where there is none. If you don't, I mean, if you don't see sin. Uh, but uh, when it's there, repent. And, and then expect that God will meet you with his grace. Spend some time in Romans 5. He'll encourage you with that. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, Jesus said this. He said, except you repent. He said this to religious leaders, by the way. Except you also repent, you shall all likewise perish. Pastors who don't repent don't get to heaven. All must repent. Unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. I want to tell you something here today. It's not enough just to believe that God exists. It's not enough just to go through the motions of religion. God wants your repentance. He wants you to make a choice to turn from your sin in your own way to follow him. And he'll help you. He'll come alongside you. He'll help you with the want to. He'll help you with the ability through the power of his Holy Spirit as you learn to walk with him. But that is what he is asking us to do. And as you do that, you're going to find a new joy, a new power, a new effectiveness in your walk with God. And as, if, you're, if you don't know Christ, you will enter into what eternal life is all about. This is the key. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to uh, truly listen to the message that's here today about the importance of repentance. Father, sometimes we don't even know how to repent. We don't know where to begin uh, because... Uh, our hearts are, are bent away from you. But, Father, I thank you that you can help us with that. And I just pray that right now you would help people in this place or those who are watching online to genuinely turn from their sin in their own way to put their trust in Jesus and follow him. And, Lord, I pray uh, that you would help us in a day-to-day -day basis to be ready and quick to repent so that your power can be upon us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.